This is the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast, here to help you navigate and thrive with ADHD in adulthood. I'm your host, Zena, and I was diagnosed at age 36. As with many ADHDers, I have a rebellious and non-conformist style. And that means that there will likely be swearing in the coming episode. Please be mindful of any little people. Hey friends, welcome back. We are here on the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast to talk about medication today. So I'm going to share with you an update on my own medication journey, some of the lessons that I have learned and also answer some of the questions that I commonly get from you guys and from the ADHDs that I work with. So before we dive into that, I just want to say a huge thank you for all of the podcast love. I don't know what was happening in the universe last week, but (laughs) the podcast shot up in the rankings and did incredibly well, which I'm so proud of. And I'm so uh, stoked for all of us because Whatever we did, I don't know how this works, right? But the algorithms, by by putting the podcast so high up in the rankings, it helps other ADHDs to find us, which means other people just like us feeling less alone, helping them understand themselves and providing them with support. So I just want to say thank you. My phone last week went from crazy cat lady photos, okay, tons of them, like my camera roll is full of cat photos, of course. My cats are delicious. It went from cat photos to screenshots of the podcast, like taking over the charts in the mental health category and just blowing my mind. So I think we're awesome. Thanks, team. (laughs) Um, I also wanted to mention that because although I'm really, really proud of that, as a human with ADHD, there are times where it's hard to record. It's hard to You know, sometimes like I will second guess myself and doubt that an episode is air quotes good enough to share with you guys. You know, I have plenty of mind drama about this podcast, the things that I say and share and all of that, that I work through behind the scenes. So, you know, it means the world to me when you guys take a moment to share it with a friend or leave a review or, you know, send in a question or even share your own story. So many of you related to the carrot story in the relationships episode, and I have loved hearing from you all. So thank you. <laughs> all right. So today, as I said, we're going to dive into ADHD medication. And of course, I've got to remind you guys, I am a coach. Okay, I have got eight plus years, it's probably nine now, I just keep saying eight, eight plus years of mindset coaching, life coaching, you know, experience under my belt. That is my background. All of that to say, I'm not a doctor, okay? In this episode, I'm going to share my personal experience. I'm also going to share that of my clients and my own opinions based on my experience, my background, and having also worked with hundreds of ADHD is okay. I have personally coached so many ADHD is, and I can see through our conversations what's working, what's not for them. All right. So, what I share today does not replace your medical advice. Please always consult with your doctor. One other thing that is really important is understanding that medication affects everyone differently. So what works for me may not work for you, vice versa, okay? And selecting the air quotes best 
ADHD medication can be a lengthy trial and error process, okay, which we'll talk about today. We also need to take into consideration a bunch of factors, things like the dosage, you know, five milligrams versus 30 milligrams, etc., or the timing, when we take it, how frequently we take it, the spaces in between. Uh, and then there's the remembering to take it, right? <laughs> we also need to take into consideration like our medical history, our genetics, any side effects that we might experience and our unique metabolism. All of those things impact how that particular drug works in our system and, you know, what it helps us to do or, or doesn't help us with ultimately, right? Now we did cover medication back in episode number three, way back at the beginning. Now, since then, I have made some changes. I've also learned more things and I've had a bunch of questions that have come in from all of you awesome podcast listeners, as well as many of the ADHDs that I work with. Okay, so today what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to go through a quick recap of what medications actually target specifically. Okay, so what they're targeting in our brain. I'm going to talk briefly about the two different types of stimulants, which are what Stimulant medication is what's primarily used for ADHDs, ADHDers. Then we're going to talk through, well, I'm going to share with you rather, my update on medication, my own journey, because I get that question quite a lot. What do I take and how is that going? Because I've been very open about that and I'm always willing to talk about it. Okay, so I'll update you guys on that. Then I'm going to go through a bunch of FAQs, questions that I commonly get from you guys. Then I'm also going to leave you with my three key lessons on ADHD medication. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of recap three very important key points for you guys at the end. So make sure you hang out for that. So let's go. As ADHD is, we have less of these three things. Dopamine. We hear about that one all the time. Also serotonin, which I talk about a bit, but we don't hear about it as much. And then norepinephrine. Okay. So we know dopamine. Dopamine is, all, all of these are like neurotransmitters in our brain, okay? But dopamine is the one that is known for motivation and drive, for basically helping us to do things, okay? That's primarily what dopamine is known for. Then serotonin. So serotonin, it is estimated that ADHDers have roughly 25% less serotonin, according to the experts, okay? Serotonin plays a important role in our mood. Okay. So if you've ever been told that you're moody, I know I have, <laughs> or that you're up and down or all over the place that can often be related to serotonin. Okay. So it plays a role in mood. It also plays a big role in sleep, memory, mm -hmm, and brain function. Okay. So serotonin is pretty important too. Then we've got norepinephrine. Now that is a very fancy word for adrenaline. Okay. So Norepinephrine is what it is in the brain, but when it's released from the brain into the body to be used, it is adrenaline. And that is what powers our fight or flight response. Okay. Now, the stimulants that we take mainly target dopamine and norepinephrine. Okay. So what can happen if a psychiatrist or whoever is prescribing your medication, right? In New Zealand, it's definitely a psychiatrist. But if they deem that you may have lower serotonin levels, they may also prescribe what's called an SSRI, 
alongside your ADHD medication. Now, SSRI stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. Okay, basically it's helping to produce more serotonin in, in our bodies. Now, that is a separate medication that may be used alongside other stimulant-based ADHD medication to help with all three of those things, the dopamine, the serotonin, and the norepinephrine. Okay. So we have two main types of stimulants. There is a third medication that can be prescribed for ADHD, which is something similar to an antidepressant in that it uh, takes time to build up in your system and take effect. So sort of, you know, roughly four to six weeks is what I was initially told. I have not been on that. I have no experience of that. And also it's, it's nowhere near as common as the two types of stimulants. Okay. So the two different types of stimulants that are available for ADHD is there is the methylphenidate. That's the most commonly prescribed one. And then the next one is the amphetamines. So when I talk about methylphenidate, you may have heard the names Rubifen or Ritalin or Concerta. Okay, they fall into that class of drug. The next one is the amphetamines, and you may have heard Dexamphetamine or Adderall or Vivance. Okay, especially if you're in New Zealand, those names will be very familiar to you. And amongst those two different types of stimulants, there is a short release and also a long release version. Okay, so a short release might be that you take a pill and it takes effect within roughly 30 minutes and it's in your system for approximately three hours. Okay, give or take. And then a longer release is you take a pill and it takes perhaps an hour and a half to kick in, but it's in your system throughout the entire day and it will last approximately eight to 12 hours. Okay, so for example, uh, dexamphetamine which is the amphetamine class of drugs, that is one that I took that was a short release and now I'm on Vivance, which is the long release. So I take a pill first thing in the morning when I get up about 6.30, it starts to kick in around about 8 a.m.-ish and it lasts right through till kind of early mid-evening for me, okay? Whereas when I was taking the dexamphetamine, I would take it within about half an hour, sometimes 45 minutes, I would notice it in my system and it would last anywhere from sort of two to three and a half-ish hours, okay? So as I said before, methylphenidate is the most commonly prescribed drug here in New Zealand. So that is the likes of the Ritalin, the Robifen, or the Concerta. Now in the book ADHD 2.0, which is by Ned Hallowell, it's a great book. He does have an incredible breakdown of medication and answers a lot of kind of commonly asked questions and concerns that people may have around medication. So if you want to further dive into that, I definitely recommend you check out that resource. Okay. So the question that I get so often, what do I take and how is it going? For those of you who have listened back to episode number three, you may remember, who knows, you may not, because <laughs> hello working memory. Isn't that like one of the total side tangent, of course, hello ADHD, but isn't that one of the cool things about like a working memory that perhaps doesn't function incredibly well is I can re-watch TV shows and movies and just have no clue I've watched it before or no idea, you know, exactly what's going to happen. Like it's, it's a novelty all over again. I love that. I'm just going to say. <laughs> anyway, back in episode number three, I, I shared with you all how I started on Rubifen. When I first started taking medication for my ADHD, I started on Rubifen. And so that is part of the methylphenidate class of drugs. And it, it 
is a uh, short release. So I would take it in about 30 to 45 minutes. I would notice it in my system. Okay. And then I would take it in the morning and then I could take another one roughly about lunchtime to help get me through the afternoon. So I started that and initially I thought, holy shit, this is incredible because I noticed a huge boost of like wanting to do things and what I thought was kind of focus and and kind of energy to, to get shit done. Now, over time, however, I had some really negative side effects. So it took about two to three months, I would say closer to three months before I noticed that Although I was sleeping amazing, I must say I did get incredible sleep on Rubifen, but unfortunately my mood dropped and I got to the point where I just didn't really give a shit about a lot of things. So my mood took a hit and also my anxiety increased. I started to experience a lot of social anxiety and anxiety was something that I had really was managing very well in my life and didn't really experience a lot of. So that, and it came in very gradually. So it took me a little while to notice that one, my mood had dropped and two, my anxiety had gone up a lot. But also with that, although I felt like I wanted to do lots of things, I wasn't particularly focused. I was still jumping between a lot of tasks. So I got back in touch with my psychiatrist. She said, stop taking it immediately. Let's have another appointment. And I went back and we moved me off the methylphenidate type of drugs, because this is a side effect that some people may experience. They may experience more anxiety or, you know, decreased mood. Okay. So I moved to dexamphetamine, again, the short release, and that was going quite well for a while. I noticed that it really helped me with focusing and kind of, you know, getting tasks done. That was one of the the things that it definitely made easier. However, over time, and I was on it for quite a period of time, I noticed that come roughly four o'clock, I would start to kind of struggle. And that was when the medication was wearing off. And sometimes it could make me more irritable. I was having more arguments with my partner. I was struggling with, you know, the kids and particularly like their noise and their behavior and all of those kinds of things. Anywhere from kind of four to seven was getting, could be a very difficult window of time for me. Whereas previously, it, you know, if I was to reflect back kind of a year ago, I hadn't really noticed that being such a problem. So I started doing my own research because I do. I just love to research shit, especially where ADHD is concerned. But also, I think this is a big part of the like advocating for myself, because if I didn't take it upon myself to get answers and to find out what else was available, I didn't know what was going to happen when I reached out to other people. So I took it upon myself, right? And I found there was a very interesting study actually, and it was done on women in perimenopause. And although these women are not women with ADHD, this study showed that women who took Vivance, which is the longer release version of the dexamphetamine drug, women who took that during perimenopause found an a huge improvement in managing the perimenopause symptoms. And so as I was looking at this, what was very interesting was that the perimenopause symptoms that they were measuring were also, of course, ADHD symptoms that we experience and, you know, some that I myself was definitely experiencing. So based on that research, and unfortunately there was, and still is, stuff all research on, you know, women with ADHD and perimenopause, I decided, Vivance, let's give it a go. So I went to the doctor and I asked for that. Now, 
I was started on 30 milligrams of that. And I also want to point out, I did this over the Christmas period when I had a break. So I had, I think, 10 days off and I slowly transitioned off one and on to the next one during a period of time, fortunately, when I had a break and I was able to sort of measure things and see what was working and what wasn't. Okay. And of course, I had to go back to my psychiatrist to do that. So here in New Zealand, you have to pay for that. I had to pay for another visit, go through the whole process again. Anyway, I started on 30 milligrams and I'll be honest, I didn't notice anything. So it wasn't long until I was doubling that, taking 60 milligrams, and I actually started to notice quite a difference. Now, recently, as in <laughs> a few days ago, I was unable to get this new medication because there is a bit of a shortage happening in New Zealand and I know in other places around the world right now for certain ADHD meds. So I was unable to get this medication and I was unmedicated for a period of days. And here's what I noticed. My mind was busier. I was actually dopamine snacking quite a bit more. That is also cycle related. Unfortunately, this, this clash in not having any medication is the week right before my period is due. So that wasn't really cool, was it? I also found focusing more difficult. I was less calm. I was starting to get this more familiar feeling of low level anxiety, which I also get that week before my period is due. And I was definitely less tolerant. Okay, so those are all things that I've identified that the medication I'm on definitely does help with where my ADHD symptoms are concerned. Now, I got to tell you guys, when I moved from the first two drugs that I tried, okay, to the one I'm on now, which is five ounce, I experienced something that I actually didn't know was possible. And I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> I got to experience calm in my brain for the first time. And I said to the psychiatrist when I met for the follow-up appointment, I said, is this what calm feels like? Because I don't, I, this is so unfamiliar. Like my brain is kind of quiet most of the time. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> but my friends, like previously when people had asked me, oh, does medication make you calm? I'd always said no. Because the reality was that what I'd been on had never made me calm and it hadn't made my brain less quiet. Now, it may do that for you. you. You may experience that now, but it took me three goes to find one that actually does that. And that blew my mind because I didn't know that medication could help my mind to be less busy and noisy, <laughs> but it can. It was such an unfamiliar feeling that I was like, it was, I don't even, it was very overwhelming, but in such a good way. <laughs> okay. Now, while I know that medica medication alone is not enough, right? If, if I or any of us want to thrive with ADHD, it's not enough, but, and the research does back that up. But for me, medication, it does definitely help. Okay. I choose to take it because it helps. It makes focusing and the noise in my head way easier to manage. And as one of my uh, coaching clients said to me just the other day, she said to me, my medication makes using the tools that you've taught me in our sessions so much easier. I was like, yeah, I agree with you on that. It really does. Now it's, you know, medication is by no means a, a magic pill or, or a fix of any kind. 
it's one of the tools that we have available to help us with some of the challenging elements that come with ADHD. And I am so fortunate that I get to work with so many female ADHDers. Now, most of them are medicated, but some of them are not. Some of them might be waiting for diagnosis or some may just be self-diagnosed. But what that means in, in getting to work with all of these ADHDers is that I hear a lot of what's working and what's not. And there is a common theme where medication is concerned. For those who are medicated, I commonly see and hear that those who take a longer release stimulant find that they are better able to manage their ADHD and also they report finding it way easier to utilize the other tools that they have got available for managing and thriving with their ADHD. Okay. Now, for example, when you work with me, I teach you how to interrupt the self-sabotage cycle, how to manage and process your emotions, how to say no to what you don't want and yes to what you do. I teach you how to interrupt procrastination and perfectionism, how to overcome your own obstacles and how to have your own back. So these clients who are on that longer release often tell me just how much easier it is to apply all of those things outside of our coaching sessions when they're on that longer release med. Okay, now I haven't found studies to support that as as we all know. Unfortunately, there are not studies yet published on, you know, women with ADHD, especially women in perimenopause on the different drug classes, whether that be short release or long release. This is just something I have observed amongst the women that I have the privilege of working with. Okay, and that's also been my own experience being on this new longer release that is now in my system somewhere between 8 to 12 hours, I do find it much easier to use my own tools and coach myself. (laughs) I really do. All right, my friends, let's dive into the questions I've got from you guys. First one is, how do I know if my meds are working? So for the period of time that they're in your system, and remember that ADHD medication is not going to be in your system all the time. So if you're on that short release, it may say it'll work for between two to four hours, for example. During that period of time, are you able to better focus and get things done? Are you perhaps less moody or less all over the place? Something I hear all the time that, boy, can I relate to, I felt all over the place. Is there less of that? Is there less anxiety? You want to pay close attention to those things, but you also want to monitor it over time. As I shared, when I was on my first medication, it took roughly three months before I started to really notice that my anxiety had increased and my mood had dropped. So look out for things like, are you more productive at work? Are you finding it easier to stick to your tasks that you need to get done? Is your impulse control better? Has that improved? Perhaps are you more thoughtful in what you're doing? Can you organize your thoughts and and all of your ideas and your brain a little bit better? Is it easier to have a conversation with people? Has your time management improved somewhat? Do you find it easier to follow through on the things that you had said you were going to do? You want to pay attention to that. And as I said, look at it over time. Okay. Number two, 
My medication wears off in the afternoon. Is that normal and what should I do? So if you are on that short acting medication, yes, that is completely normal. Okay, and that is often where a lot of people will start as they will be prescribed a short acting medication to begin with to see how they respond to that. Now, this can be difficult because you may over time start to notice a come down effect, which can get worse as you go along. That was my experience of being on the second medication. I was on the dexamphetamine as I noticed that kind of come down. And as I said, that window between sort of four to seven p.m. got quite difficult. Now, if that's you, I encourage you to talk to your psychiatrist about either, you know, about what your options are, really. And usually that will be you can either take another pill later in the day or perhaps they might look at moving you to a different medication, perhaps even a longer release option that will cover you, you know, further into the afternoon and into the evening. Either way, if this is something that you are struggling with, if it's a, a, a difficulty and a challenge, then definitely speak up. Okay, let your psychiatrist know, reach out to them and ask, what are your options here? What, what is available to help with this? The next question I have is, should I take days off? Meaning, should I, you know, have periods of time or days where I don't take my medication? Now, the answer to this comes with widely different uh, answers, basically, depending on the expert that you speak to. There are people at varying degrees of the spectrum on this. So I've had experts tell me if it's working and it's really helping you, then you don't need to take days off. But you can if you want. Now, I've read articles as well from, from medical professionals who say that ADHD meds, if they are prescribed to you, you should not have days off. And that if you do have days off, you can increase your likelihood of experiencing side effects. Then I've heard other professionals say, and this was my case the very first time when I was very first prescribed to medication, was just take it as and when, when you need to. So my friend, all of that to say, ask your psychiatrist. Not your GP, okay? No shade on the GPs, love the GPs. But the psychiatrist is the person who's prescribing the medication. Ask them, ask the expert here, okay? And the, the reason I say not your GP is because I've come across a few GPs in my time and heard many stories from you all that the GP doesn't necessarily know that much about ADHD. Or when you went in for your you know, appointment to say, I think I've got ADHD, can I have that referral to a psychiatrist? you perhaps like me were dismissed in some way because there is a bit of a lack of education and awareness, especially around females with ADHD. So speak to your psychiatrist around whether or not you should take days off. This can also vary based on the medication, based on your history and do what is best for you. Okay, whilst also I want to encourage you to pay attention to any potential side effects. Now, personally, here's what I do every second Sunday. And why it's every second Sunday is it's the one when we don't have the kids. I find it easier to have my medication on the days when we do have the kids. So every second Sunday when we do not have three boys running right in our house, I will take a day off my medication. Now that's simply for my own experimental purposes at this time. And that can change. I may choose not to do that going forward, right? I may reevaluate that. 
Now, this is a conversation I had with a client recently who was actually feeling a lot of pressure to take days off her medication. And I I said to her that there is such varying information from experts out there about this. So I said, unless your psychiatrist has advised you to do so, you get to make that decision. Don't let other people pressure you based on what they, air quotes, think. Okay. Next question, should medication take the intensity out of my emotions and make things easier? Good question. So it should make some things easier, okay? But life still happens, all right? And when I say it should make some things easier, for the period of time that the drug is in your system, okay? However, we have ADHD, we are still going to feel intense feelings and we still will likely experience some emotional dysregulation. This is a big part of having ADHD and one that medication may somewhat support, but it's not going to suppress our emotions, okay? Unless you're taking an antidepressant, in which case you may experience some form of numbing of emotions, both the pleasant and the unpleasant. But your ADHD medication is not going to do that, okay? So again, this is why medication is one of the tools that we've got. But if we were to take this to another example, right, like if you were to take a weight loss pill, it, it will help you p- possibly to lose weight, but it's not going to necessarily make you healthy, right? In order to be a healthy person, you still need to visit the gym and do some exercise and eat healthy foods and perhaps have less junk food, okay? And the same is true for living a happy and healthy life with ADHD. Medication is one tool. And we can also build in other tools, things like regular exercise, getting sunlight, you know, things that support the dopamine production and the serotonin production, as well as working with experts like myself or, you know, another coach or a therapist who can help you with managing and processing your emotions. All of these things are tools that support us in leading a healthy and balanced life with ADHD. I'm going to quote uh, Russell Bark- Russell Barkley here, Dr. Russell Barkley, who wrote the book, uh, what is it called? Taking Charge of Adult ADHD. Great book. So he says, keep in mind that no medication for ADHD will miraculously solve all of your problems. Troubles at work and relationships and elsewhere are not necessarily ADHD related or caused by ADHD. Naturally, then medication for ADHD won't erase them, even when it's working. Okay. Next question, should I add an SSRI or another version of this that I got is should I go back on fluoxetine, which is a form of SSRI. So SSRI stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. And what that's doing is helping you to produce more serotonin in your system. Okay, this is definitely a question for the doctor. Okay, so if this is you asking this question, then I encourage you to speak with your doctor and possibly even your psychiatrist as well for the answer to this. I am seeing a common theme among women, specifically ADHD women who are presenting with what looks like low levels of serotonin, meaning that their mood is fluctuating a lot more, a lot more highs and lows. Okay, that all over the place feeling, having real challenges with memory. Like, like even more so than normal, having increased issues with sleep, okay? Those are all things that are related to serotonin. 
Now, back in episode 47, I did talk about serotonin and I shared five ways that we can increase it naturally. And I do encourage you, where possible, to make some of those things part of your daily routine. Things like getting sunlight and exercise and eating probiotic rich foods and making a few different food swaps in your diet can have a really positive influence on your uh, serotonin levels. Okay. And just keep in mind as well, and that 90, maybe 95, there's conflicting evidence on this, 90 to 95% of our body serotonin is produced in the gut, which I find very interesting, meaning that gut health is pretty important. Hence, you know, why the encouragement there of eating probiotic rich foods and making a few kind of food swaps potentially in our diets. Now, if you have been on an SSRI in the past and you found it helpful, then yes, that could be a great thing to add to your tool belt, another addition for your tool belt. Have that conversation with your doctor. Now, I know that this person who asked me the question, should I go back on fluoxetine, which is a type of SSRI, had not found it helpful and in fact found that they were quite numb often as a result of taking that drug. So if that is the case, then I would recommend communicating that with your medical professional and asking what other options are available because I experienced being quite numb and, you know, I do or don't want that. Have that conversation and make sure you take all of that in. It's often helpful for us to write these things down. I always do when I go into an appointment with my psychiatrist or with my doctor, I make little bullet points so that I don't forget shit. Because I got ADHD, I'm guaranteed to forget some shit if I don't write it down. So I always make notes ahead of these appointments so that I make sure I go through the things that are important to me and I mention things that might be relevant or important for the medical professional to know. Okay. So in terms of SSRIs, while we're on the subject, they work solely on serotonin. And according to research, they have not been shown to effectively treat the main symptoms of ADHD. Okay. There is also a big uptake right now in people talking about the links between mitochondria and metabolism and a range of mental health conditions. I find this very interesting. I'm watching it. So they talk about how these these things impact ADHD, anxiety, depression, and the likes, many more of, of these kind of things. And I've been researching it, I've been watching these conversations around this, and it basically it comes down to very much you know, the foods that we eat and also the foods that we choose to limit and how this affects our symptoms, which actually can be quite dramatic when you start looking into the research and the studies and the specific examples that are shared. So I'm just going to mention that if you're interested. There's a big, big uptake and talk about that. Uh, The next question I've got is, can my GP, so my doctor that I would go to my GP, change my medication? In New Zealand, the answer for that is no. Okay, so your psychiatrist is the only one who can change your medication. So whether that be like increase your dosage or switch you to a different type of medication. Unfortunately, we have to pay for that. I could go off on a rant about the system (laughs) because I'm not happy with it. And unfortunately, it's it's not working well. In New Zealand, we have to pay to see a psychiatrist to get diagnosed with ADHD, and it is a very big expense. And then we have to pay for our medication checkups and changes. And, you know, every two years, we need to go back to have our, our medication kind of signed off again. So 
there is a lot of cost and there's also a huge delay in being able to be seen. There are massive wait times right now because fortunately more people are are you know helping us raise awareness and more people are learning that they might have ADHD, which is great. They're going to get support, but there's just not enough psychiatrists available for that. Okay. Now, if you do go see a psychologist, at least here in New Zealand, they cannot prescribe medication. So if you want the ADHD diagnosis, that's great. But if you do want to explore medication, it needs to be a psychiatrist and you will need to have a separate appointment with them in order to you know, go through the process again and get medication. Just be mindful of that. Can your GP change your medication? No, they cannot. Okay. At least here in New Zealand, I cannot speak for further afield, my friends. All right. A couple of things to note. Medication does not make your ADHD go away. And it sure as hell does not make it neurotypical. <laughs> my friends, like... I was having this conversation with a client just yesterday, actually, and she was saying to me, you know, one of the um, the best things I have got out of this coaching so far is she said, I have realized that all my life I wanted to be neurotypical. And then you pointed out to me that I wanted that and you showed me, you know, just how boring that would be. And she said, now I don't want to be neurotypical anymore because that would be really effing boring. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> we hate being bored. So yeah, side note. Anyway. Medication, it doesn't take your ADHD away. It also doesn't work all the time. It can't be in our system all the time. So there will be periods of time when, you know, it's not working. That's normal. I remember hearing this comment not longer, not long after I was diagnosed and somebody said, oh yeah, I know so-and-so and she's on, um, she's on medication for ADHD, but I don't think it's working because she still interrupts me all the time. I just remember thinking, yeah, but I don't think it stops that person from necessarily having ADHD. <laughs> you know, me now would would definitely have something to say about that. But the reality is, yes, it might help with our impulsivity, but it's not going to stop us from having ADHD and and having ADHD behaviors. Okay? It will definitely support and help some of them, as we've explored in this episode. So Let's get to the three key takeaways that I really want to leave you with when we talk about medication. Number one is advocate for yourself. My friends, ask questions. If you are not sure about your medications, how they're working, if you've even got questions about whether or not they could potentially be better, reach out to your expert and share your concerns. Ask your questions. If something doesn't sit right with you, speak up. Okay. There is a lot of misinformation or even misunderstanding around ADHD, even from some of our GPs. Okay. And I'm not throwing shade on the GPs. They just haven't necessarily been well educated, especially around our women with ADHD. So don't settle for an answer you are not happy with or with being dismissed. Hell no. <laughs> All right, my friends. Number two. Key takeaway, as the research shows, medication alone is not enough if we want to thrive with ADHD. So I got this really great example somewhere and it, and it said that, you know, when you've got an infection, antibiotics, they will cure that infection. Okay, taking a pill for ADHD does not cure ADHD. That's not how it works. We have ADHD, my friends. Thriving with it really does require a variety of tools. Education, community, and coaching are three that have helped me the most and have helped hundreds of the ADHDers that I've had the privilege of working with. 
For many adults with ADHD, coaching is the missing piece that helps them to really take control of their lives. And that was my experience too. It's ultimately why I became a coach, right? And this is why psychologists and ADHD experts recommend coaching or therapy as part of an individual's ADHD treatment plan, or as I like to call it, toolkit, okay? So what happens during coaching sessions? We address things like self-acceptance, managing and controlling your emotions, procrastination, (laughs) that's a big one, productivity, self-confidence, and how to end that never-ending cycle of self-sabotage. Now, I invite you to book your personalized ADHD support session with me. Find out exactly how coaching is going to help you. Visit my website or click the link below this episode in the show notes to do that. Number three is it takes time to get the right medication. I encourage you to allow about one year. ADHD meds really work perfectly on the first try. Okay, as we've explored, side effects can develop over time. Look out for things like the increase or decrease in your anxiety. Pay attention to your mood. Is it getting better or worse over time? Do you have any physical symptoms like headaches and stomach aches when you take the medication? When you focus, is it productive focus? Okay, I thought I was focused on that first med. I was unproductive, intensely focused on all sorts of shit. <laughs> and does does it make things noticeably easier for you or better for you? Okay. Also note, and I've talked about this before, that for a woman who has a cycle, we may need to alter or increase our medication in the week prior to our period or even up to a two-week timeline there. Okay. And that is something that we need to, again, speak with our psychiatrist about. And we can look at altering that to make that time period easier. As Russell Barkley says, designing the best possible treatment plan is as much art as it is science. Try to be patient during this process. You are the one who has everything to gain. All right, on that note, my friend, have a beautiful week. Huge love to you all. Take care. I'll speak to you soon. Hey, friend, I know exactly what it's like to feel frustrated and confused with your ADHD and to wish that you could better understand what the hell is going on in your brain? And that's exactly why I created my coaching program, Thriving with ADHD. Inside Thriving with ADHD, you learn a step-by-step process to set and finally achieve your goals, to understand yourself and your ADHD. It's where you learn to feel better and manage your emotions and create systems and processes that work for you with your ADHD brain. This is designed for you to learn how to thrive with ADHD so you can create the life that you were meant to live. Visit xenajones.com ADHD to learn more and book a consultation.